Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. One of the bigger ones I caught was on the Joe. Oh, it's been been a long time ago, but I had a little 10-inch cutthroat on, on a size 14 St. Joe favorite. A bull trout come chasing and grabbed hold of it, which it's happens, it happens occasionally. Usually, you know, you give it a little pull and the fish comes out of its mouth. But, God, I fought it and fought it and fought it. And anyway, somehow I ended up, I, that fly come out of that cutthroat's mouth and I snagged it right in the end of the, end of the nose with a size 14 St. Joe favorite. Yeah, I caught a, caught a 30-inch bull trout on my size 14 St. Joe favorite baited with a cutthroat. That was Derek Darce with a classic St. Joe monster bull trout story. Backcountry fishing, the lizard fly, and the St. Joe River today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. We are on the final day right now of the big giveaway for the big Steelhead Alley School with Jeff Liskey and Rick Kustich. If you want to get a chance right now to win this trip, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash giveaway right now, and that gets you in a chance to not only win this big trip, but a bunch of gear, fly rods, reels, a normal big package. Check it out right now, and uh, and you get a chance. If you want to actually get your slot and find out more information and uh, purchase a slot for this school, you can go to wetflyswing.com slash school right now, and you can enter your name and email, and we'll follow up with you. Today's episode is sponsored by Stonefly Nets, who is putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets. When Ethan designs your net, it's his hope and goal to help you form lasting memories every time you're on the water. You can head over to wetflyswing.com stonefly right now to get started. That's S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Stonefly online. Angler's Coffee roasts a full range of coffee with one goal in mind, delivering excellent coffee to every single angler. With a blend for every taste, a dry dropper on the go teabag option, and a roast sampler, you know Joe at Angler's has you covered. You can head over to wetflyswing.com anglers right now to support a sustainable company with unsurpassed taste. That's Angler's, A-N-G-L-E-R-S. Derek Dars is here to take us into the St. Joe River and some of his specialty fly patterns that he has going. We take a look at his top flies for Idaho, and we dig into this lizard fly and some of the other unique flies he has going, and we find out how to find West Slope cutthroat trout. One of the lesser-known famous rivers of the West. Here we go. Derek Dars from stmarysflies.com. How you doing, Derek? Good. How you doing? Good. Thanks for uh, coming on here. We are going to dig into a um, part of the world that we've been to. A, actually, I've driven through it a bunch of times, and we've had a few people from around the area on the podcast, but I don't think from this specific part, the St. Joe. And is it the St. Joe or the St. Joe's? St. Joe. Yeah, St. Joe. So you got the St. Joe, you got St. Mary's Flies, we got uh, some good stuff going on. So we're going to dig into all that today and maybe talk a little bull trout, maybe a little bit of poppers. You got some interesting stuff going, but uh, take us back to fly fishing first. How'd you get into it? Uh, my dad, I started really young, uh, grew up fishing for cutthroats here on the St. Joe, and uh, my dad was really into backpacking. We did a lot of uh, backcountry fly fishing and stuff like that, so I'm still doing a lot of that today. So, uh, yeah, I started learning to tie flies when I was probably around oh, 10 or so. I learned a little bit from my uncle, and then uh, I kind of dabbled in it, I guess, a little bit. And then uh, oh, when I was a teenager, about 16, there was, there was kind of a local, well-known local guy that was kind of well-known uh rodney wolf uh he was he gave me some lessons and 
that's about the time I started getting serious about it. And anyway, and about 10 years ago, I, uh, I, you know, I mostly just tied trout flies and stuff for probably 20 some years. And then, uh, probably about 10 years ago, I seen some fat cohen bass bugs and I got really into that. And that's really primarily my business now of what I sell and everything. I still tie a lot of trout flies and I still fish a lot of, you know, fish a lot of cutthroats and stuff. But as far as my fly tying and all that, uh, deer hair bass bugs is kind of my, primarily my main part of my business. So that's it. How long does it take you to tie an average bass bug? Um, uh, if I, depends how many colors and stuff I do and, the, and how big they are, but I can, if I'm uninterrupted, I can do one in close to a half hour, 35 minutes probably. Yep. That's it. And it's pretty cool. We've had a number of people that have, we've talked about fly tying obviously many times and we had the uh, main fly guys on and they were talking about how they're selling flies and like anybody, they were saying like, Hey, this is a wide open business niche because you know, there's such a big supply. Do you find that too? There is. Yeah. And it's getting, I mean, I'm a couple months out just about oh, wow. all the time anymore. It seems like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm busy all the time. Yeah. There you go. So it is a full that is crazy, right? It is. Oh, yeah. I still have a full-time job, too. So, yeah. Yep. That's like amazing. like two full-time jobs, but it's, it's still fun. So, yeah, it's really, uh, you can't hardly tie enough. I mean, I have I had a message from a shop yesterday still, and I said, oh, I'm not doing these shop orders for a while. Getting to the summertime, I still want to have some time to fish. Exactly. So. <laughs> that's right. I'm busy enough with website stuff right now, so. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And, and so let's dig into that a little bit on your neck of the woods. I mean, St. Mary's, right? I mean, you're in Idaho, Northern Idaho. Talk about that. What is, I've definitely heard about that river. I've never fished it, but what's kind of unique. What's cool about that part of the world? Oh, we have a really good, uh, good, uh, West Slope cutthroat population. Really well known. Uh, in fact, there's a, there's an article in Fly Fisherman magazine out right now about it. Starts up near the Idaho, Montana border. It's the Angel Lake. It's about 140 miles long and, uh, runs into Lake Coeur d'Alene which is a lot more, was, was even some more fishing opportunities, lots of pike and bass fishing down there too. So St. Joe's really well known for the cutthroats. We got a really good, really good cutthroat victory. Yeah. And then you also have some bull trout around? We've got a few bull trout. Yep. Yep. The St. Joe and then the North Fork of the Clearwater ain't too far away. It's got a good, a real good bull trout population. I do a lot of backpacking stuff in the headwaters of the Joe and the road, the section of uh, bull trout, it's pretty good bull trout fishing up there during the summertime and stuff so there's a 17 mile roadless section up there that i do a lot of fishing up there and stuff and try to make at least one backpacking trip in there every year so so you're backpacking in and this is to fish for uh for bull trout or both yeah i'm mostly cutthroat but you do i kind of th- i did i did catch my biggest bull trout last year up there 33 inches wow there are some big ones in there you'll spot them once in a while and Gotcha. And you're hiking it what, what does that look like on the hiking or this is like kind of a multi-day sort of thing packing in it like a float tube or no no, no, it's all, it's all trail. It's, it's pretty good hike. No, I, uh, I just, just walk and wade. Yeah. I got a place I usually camp and spend a few days. Yep. Walk and wade fishing. Right. Nice. Pretty swift for float tube up there. So. Oh, gotcha. What is the St. Joe? What is that river like? I mean, the main part that you're fishing, I guess you've got these upper parts and I mean, it sounds like it's a pretty big river. The upper part. Yeah. is not really floatable, but the lower part, there are a lot of drift boats and stuff on the, uh, lower part stuff. Down by St. Mary's, it's just slack water. There's some good, there's some pretty good smallmouth fishing and stuff here. And then you get about 20 miles up to start running into That's where the water starts getting some current to it. And that's when you get into your cutthroat water and stuff. So, oh, okay. What's that look like? I know we've, I've fished for the West Slope before. They're pretty aggressive, right? Well, what's it like on the St. Joe's? Yeah, it's very, yeah, aggressive. Yeah, dry fly. They're not real picky fish. So, really good dry fly fishing. So, yeah. All right. Bring us there a little bit. Are you tying dry flies, doing everything on your... I'm guessing you are since you do sell flies. 
Yeah, I tell you, you know, just, I do some quite a bit of streamer fishing anymore, too. As a kid, I was mostly just a dry fly fish, but I do a little bit of streamer fishing and then once in a while. But you get more into summer, it's more dry flies, I'd say, than anything. But yeah. So. Gotcha. Yeah. So the St. Joe basically, yeah, I mean, it pretty much is that northern part, flow, like you said, flows west into the Coeur d'Alene. And it comes right, it's like all the way across Idaho, doesn't it? Yeah, it starts yeah, near the Mon- Idaho-Montana border. I don't know exactly how far from the border, but pretty close. And then it's about 140 miles long. Right. And yeah, yep, ends up at Lake Coeur d'Alene. And, and where does Coeur d'Alene, because I'm, I'm totally backwards here. What does it flow into? Uh, the Spokane River. Oh, the Spokane. Yep, yep. And then the Spokane flows into Upper Columbia. So yeah, I think it does end up in Columbia, yep. I believe so. That's a cool system because you're right up, you know, you don't realize it, but... I don't think about it, but I mean, you're, you're near Canada. You're just like, how far are you from the border? I'm a couple, three hours from Canada. Yeah. I'm trying to think now again on my geography, it's always, we had a few Canadian episodes where we had people talking about areas, I think just north of you and it's um, pretty right. The upper Columbia, it's a pretty amazing part of the world. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, let's dig into the cut through a little bit on the, on the West Slope. Is that just an easy getting set up for a West Slope finding, you know, out where to fish sort of thing? Is that a pretty easy thing? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like I said, if you get about 20 miles from St. Mary's, upriver from St. Mary's, and you'll start right in your cutthroat waters. And there's lots of easy fishing from the highway. Yeah. Does that ever get with the cutthroat, ever get to a point where you're, it's kind of too easy and you're you're kind of getting bored a little bit of it? Oh, I, I wouldn't say that. I no. I wouldn't say it. I get bored of it. But, uh, um, you yeah, know, it's, uh, there's lots of, lots of ladies that walk away right from the highway. There's a lot of drift boats too anymore. Yeah. Where do the drift boats start on the St. Joe? Where is that? Where do they start floating? Um, there's a put in at Calder, which is 23 miles from St. Mary's. Um, the Big Yeti, there's a restaurant there, but which is 18 miles up. There's a boat launch there. Also at uh, Huckleberry Campground, that's about 34 miles up. And then at Marble Creek, there's another one, which is oh, probably 37, 38 miles, I think. So... Actually, Huckleberry's 30. Actually, I think Marvel Kirk's 34 now that I think about it. But anyway, so yeah, you got you to stretch there with some. Gotcha. You grew up out there, so have you fished pretty much most of the St. Joe or at least been up in around it? Yeah, I've, I've seen it all, all the way to St. Joe Lake, so. Yeah. And what does that look like from the lake? So if we do a little tour on the St. Joe, so starting at the lake, that's near Montana? Yep, it's up near the Montana border. Yeah, you got, you got a pretty good drive on a dirt road out after a while there. And then uh, you actually can even come in from the Montana side as well. And then uh, I never came in from the Montana side. I've been into it, but yeah, I've never came in from the Montana side. I don't know. Someone said it's actually easier going in that way. It's a probably a five, six mile hike into the lake there from the Idaho side. So, Oh, wow. From the Idaho. Yeah. And this is the, um, what wilderness is this? this is, I'm guessing this is forest service. Yep. Mostly all forest service ground. Yep. Bitterroot mountains. Yep. Yeah. Right. The Bitterroots. Right. Which is kind of the, uh, I want to say that's kind of the river Red Stewart, right? The Norman McLean. I think that might've been in that part of the world possibly. Yeah, somewhere. I think he was over <laughs> on the... Yeah, I think so. Somewhere, yeah, Blackbird, maybe, or... Yeah, or... Oh, right, 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 right. All right, so St. Joe's, let's take it down. So we're taking down the St. Joe's, so it kind of starts out, I'm guessing, out of the lake. Is that something where you're... Are you catching a West Slope throughout the whole system? Uh, no, I generally don't catch them up till, like I said, you get up into the swift water. Yeah. Certain times of the year, you can catch them down, down lower here. I haven't really fished long throughout the pack. Oh, right. So West Slope, that's one thing they need. They need some... They like some current. They... You know, later in the fall when it gets cold, they'll move down here closer to town. But a lot of them, I think, are up there year-round, so most of them are. Yeah, so that's where you got to go. So you got to go to—they're not going to be in, the like, the low-gradient, bigger rivers. 
Yeah, I know I really come down here, fishes for them, you know, around town, but around here it's mostly smallmouth and stuff. Down here in the lower part, lots of pike and stuff. And so, uh, some largemouth too, even. Gotcha. And that's where your thing comes in with. So, you have largemouth lower, you've got west slope at some point above, and then you have, um, and then bull trout mixed in there. Yep. A few bull trout here in there. Yep. Right. Just roughly, do you know how long the St. Joe is? I want to say it's like around 140 miles. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's huge. Seems like it's 143 or something like that. I don't remember right. It's right in there. Gotcha. And who's the, um, I know we've talked to a few fly shops. Who would be the closest? Is there a fly shop in St. Mary's? Uh, none of St. Mary's. There's a couple of sporting goods stores. They do have a few flies and stuff. Oh, and they're actually the closest one would be up, uh, up at Avery, which is 47 miles up river. Idaho fly fishing company. Okay. Idaho fly fishing. Yeah. Yep. Right in Avery, Idaho. Yep. Other than that, you'd have to go to Coeur d'Alene or something. So. All right. Perfect. So I guess that's what I'm kind of like, let's just say I was uh, setting up a trip and actually we might be crossing through that area. Oh, huh? Yeah, potentially. But if somebody was up there coming from Montana or even, you know, Washington, somewhere around there heading in, let's say they want to fish West Slope Cutthroat. You know, that's what they want to do. I mean, bull trout for sure. Like I think that place you have, bull trout. But if they wanted to fish West Slope, what would you tell them to say, hey, this is some options or this is where you can kind of start to learn some, you know, about the area? Far shops? Or even just the rivers. Like if I was coming there and I was trying to put together a trip saying, hey, I want to fish for West Slope Cutties, do you think you could just go up to any faster water in the upper St. Joe and find a spot? Yeah, you could find it. Yep. I mean, it's easy to find spots to fish. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So you could pretty much go. And is it Highway 200 that goes up? No, no. It goes up the river or? Yeah, there's. I'm just looking from, I'm lower down. Yep. It's 50. Forest Service Road 50 goes up the. Okay. Up the. Uh, and then uh, to get to St. Mary's, you would go off of uh, 95 from, you can go, like say if you're coming from Spokane or something like that, you would turn on turn on 95 to go, then take Highway 5 from Plummer to St. Mary's. Oh, yeah. And then that goes up to St. Joe, right? And you get all yep. this, yeah, from St. Joe. So that just pretty much goes east from there. Or you'd come in on I-90 and take the Rose Lake exit. Oh, yeah. Take Highway 3 and do it that way too. Okay. So you come in, so basically you come in, you could just say, hey, we're going to go through St. Mary's. Which is actually, most people are coming through on highway. Yeah, 90 is the major highway, which I've driven through. You know, that's your main corridor getting to Montana through from Spokane. But then, you, yeah, you just go, basically, St. Mary's is kind of south. Take Highway 95 or one of those down south and then over. Yep. To, yeah, yep. that's it. And then over to St. Mary's. That's right. That's cool. And then, so if you were to keep on that track, it would drop you kind of south. Oh, yeah, there is St. Joe National Forest to towards Lewiston eventually, right? Or Rafino. Yep, Lewiston. Yep, yep. If you kept going south on 95, and yep, Lewiston, and you got the Clearwater and all that. Yep. And the Clearwater, right. So you're right there. And so, yeah, so you got St. Mary's basically, but yeah, I see it. I mean, it goes off the highway and then you got some, you know, definitely probably lots of camping, forest service, all that stuff up there. Yep. Lots of campgrounds. Yep. Yep. Several campgrounds. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're painting. This is good now. So, and then the fact that it's easy. So what does that look like? I mean, it, it sounds like, it, what are the flies? Somebody's going to put a few flies in their box to catch some West Slope. You know, the summer times, you know, you just your usual trout stuff, stimulators, elk hair caddises, uh, you know, wolves. Right. Royal wolf, stuff like that. Uh, you know, hoppers you get later in the summer. Uh, Goddard caddis, I like Goddard caddis. One of my one of my favorites is a Turks tarantula, the red body. Oh, yeah, the Turks tarantula. Yeah, well, the red God. body, that's one of my favorites. Right. I got to really think of what that one looks like. We'll put a we'll put a link in the show notes. Is that T-I-R-K-S, Turks? T-U-R-K-S, yep. Guy Turk out of Wyoming invented that one, yep. Red body or or even like a burnt orange colored body is really good sometimes. Uh, yeah, it's got some nice rubber legs. It's, it's a souped up. Uh, yeah. It's kind of something, you know, imitating a big fly. Yep. 
Yeah, that's a good. Seems like all summer long you catch fish with flies on that. So, you know, and your terrestrials, your ants and beetles and stuff like that, you know. You know, really around right now, a lot of mayflies and stuff, you know, and atoms or something's really good usually. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no matching. This is not a like matching the hatch, like technical mayfly fishing. Not really. I don't think you, no, I don't think you need to. No. no. I mean, yeah, but you have some of your standard dry flies with you. You'll, you'll catch some fish any time of the year. So. What's a big, really nice uh, West Slope cutty? Uh, right here, 18 inches is a, is a nice one. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. Once in a while, you get one a little bigger than that, but not too often. It's like, you get to 18. I don't, you know, I hear people all the time talking about 20 inches and yeah. stuff. But. Well, that's the 20. The 20 is the new uh, 17 or 17. Yeah, <laughs> that's always, yeah. I remember, I remember we had Kelly Gaff on here. I think that's what he said. He said 26 is the new 20 or something like that, you know. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, so it's good. So basically, and like you said, this is a, is this like a four weight sort of thing or what sort of length? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you want to, yeah, four or five weight, I would say generally, you know, maybe six if you want to throw some, some bigger streamers or something. But yeah. But yeah, yeah, in there, get the job done. Gotcha. And then what is your average? Average size fish. Yeah. I mean, um, probably 12 inches or so, 12, 13, I would say. Yeah, but you're catching those all day. And on a good day, how many fish might you catch on a good day? Oh, a good day, you might catch 40. Yeah, that's pretty much pretty straightforward. Just put on, yeah, just, I mean, this is about as, it sounds like perfect as it gets because you kind of, uh, yeah, you just throw in some basic stuff, not a big deal. Yeah. Probably grab a leader and head out and go for it. Are, are you looking, like water type, are you looking for same sort of thing than finding seams or whatever? Or are you just kind of hitting pools? Yeah, riffles and stuff. And yeah, get further up the, you know, up the river, there's lots of big pools and stuff. Yeah. Do you think that is more with the West Slopes? Is that more that they're so, is it just their, their behavior or a lack of people fishing that they're so they'll take, it sounds like they're so aggressive. They'll take anything. There's definitely not a lack of people fishing. I just think it's their behavior. So yeah, there's definitely not a lack of people anymore. So, so there's yeah, way more people than there used to be. So, right. And so the fishing is still just as good. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So, and, and like you said, this is upper river. So St. Joe, if you were going for looking for some bolts, it sounds like these are definitely hard to find. Is this one of those things where you kind of have to know the few spots where you might find them or are they? Yeah. Yeah. They're they're Earlier in the year, you could catch them down lower, but, uh, and even still probably right now, but as it gets into summer, you gotta go up more, the headwaters, I think. Oh, the headwaters. Okay. What is, um, right now it's, we're going to kind of June or it's going to be July, you know, or kind of May, June, July. What's going on? Let's take us through a kind of quick little year, like, you know, through the St. Joe, like, what are you doing right now? Um, lots of mayflies right now. Like I said, Adam's a, a gray wolf. Um, it's just some, probably some gray drakes and stuff hatching, uh, bluing olives and stuff. Um, start getting into caddises here pretty soon, but, uh, we just got done with hot, so high water. So the fishing's really just starting to get going right now. So. Gotcha. So you get the high water. That's right. So the winter time, you got the same deal. You got high and then you got winter, then high. So now you're actually in, I mean, what's the weather like, uh, this week? Uh, it's supposed to be on 80 all week. So upper 70 to 80 all week and. So, yeah, it should be, should be getting good, yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Trestle, who has earned an exceptional reputation over the past few years in the fly fishing industry due to the popularity of their telescopic fly rod roof racks and statement-making artist series apparel lines. Their latest release for 2023 is the Jerian Universal Bike Rack Packing System, a brand new way to transport your fly fishing and outdoor gear. The Jerion will give any modern bike the ability to bring 30 pounds of gear with its front and rear articulated racks. 
Whether you ride a full suspension mountain bike, an e-bike, or even a carbon fiber road bike, the Jerion will get you and your fishing gear further faster and have much more fun along the way. I can tell you this has been a big struggle for me. I've been riding my bike, uh, both road bikes and mountain bikes, and had lots of issues over the years packing my gear, whether that's uh, crappy uh, storage on the back or a trailer that's just too big and bulky. So I'm excited to share this packing system, which is going to make it way more convenient and accessible to get out to the places you need to go. You can learn more about how Trestle is transforming the way you access your favorite water, backcountry, hunting zones, and camping spots. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash Trestle right now and be the first on the water and the farthest upstream and away from the crowds. That's Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E. Trestle, live your pursuit. It's a kind of a cool part of the world, right? Because you have like Spokane. I mean, definitely you're, I mean, it's, well, it's hard to say. I always think Eastern Washington, right? But you're... I mean, you're in the desert, essentially, right? But you have, you're in a forest. Yeah, yeah, it's all forest, pretty mountainous here, so. It's all forest. But if you go to Spokane, you're you're in the kind of the more of the high plains. Yeah, and you get other side of Spokane, and you get into some desert and stuff, yeah. Oh, right, that's what it is. And then if you go the other way, Montana, of course, has just Montana, right? Right, yeah, you get kind of west of Spokane. It starts to kind of desert there for a while until you hit the path, so. What is that Coeur d'Alene, St. Mary's, Coeur d'Alene? You know, for somebody that hasn't been there, what makes that whole part, you know, is it, it seems like it's kind of this uh, place. I haven't spent a lot of time, but what's cool about living out there other than the, obviously the fishing and stuff? Oh, uh, you know, like Coeur d'Alene's got a lot and then you got the lake right there. I mean, the lake's a real tour attraction anymore. So a lot of people go there for the lake. And what are they doing? Are they just kind of doing the like water skiing and stuff? Yeah, a lot of that. And there's, there's some good fishing out there too. So. Oh yeah. A lot of bass fishing and stuff out there. And Oh, gotcha. Small mouth, large mouth, everything. A lot of people come here for the, yeah, the lakes and stuff like that. Coeur d'Alene's not, you know, a huge town, but, but it's big enough. It's got everything, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, uh, I'm guessing a, what, a hundred, 200,000 people or something. Yeah. I don't think it's that big. That's probably about the size of Spokane. It's maybe half that I would say, but I'm not real sure exactly the population one, but it's growing fast though. St. Mary's is only like about, we're about 2,600 people. We're just small. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 You're, you're definitely, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Only like 2,600 here, so. That's cool. Right, right. But yeah, we're not far from Coeur d'Alene either, so, you know, we got everything there, so. Yeah. And Spokane, too. Both are only about an hour away, so. Okay, perfect. And like you said, if somebody wanted, we're not going to give any secrets on bull trout, but I know if you, we've talked about up in Canada, how, you know, how to fish them and all that, but so they're up. What would be the key to finding some of those bull trout? Would the key be finding the right type of water? Yeah, and water temperature is big with them, so. They they require really cold water, so so that's one reason they move way up in the headwaters. I got one stream. I, I'm not. I don't want to say yeah. it on here because I don't see any anglers that are really good. I mean, I've I've caught as many as eleven in one day before out of it. Really? Yeah, yeah. This it's good. Yeah. Oh wow! And these are all on streamers. Yeah, you hit at the peak. Me and my brother will go together and we'll catch you know in the teens usually between the two of us. Wow! So here we go. So this is this is bull trout. We've had twenty fish days actually between the two of us. Yeah. Right. I won't say the stream on here because I hardly ever see another angler. Well, <laughs> I'm trying to keep that way, but I hear you. No, I'll keep it that way. I remember Blackburn was on, and he's just a little bit west of you, up in the Kootenai. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, and he's he's got the like the Kootenai angler fly shop there. But um, yeah, he was talking about how the bull trout are one of those things where you don't really how do you put it? It's like it's not against the law to fish for him, but he doesn't let anybody know. Yeah, right. I know you can actually target him. They, they, and people have told me, well, you're not supposed to be fishing with them. But no, you can't. I actually even had an article on the Idaho Fishing Game website that you can, about people fishing for them. And now you can and stuff. But 
people got it in their heads that you can, but you know, and I, I do barbless hooks, you know, everything. And I, them right. I get them back in the water. I keep them in the net, you know, toy. Some people yeah, freak out over it, but I think there's some states you're not supposed to target them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably Montana again, depending on where you are, what state, what part of the, I think Montana. Yeah. I don't think you're supposed to target them. Yeah. But Idaho, you can. Gotcha. Okay. And what does that look? So is that a streamer game? Yep. Big streamers. Yeah. You know, when I first started out trying for them, I really, I was just using, you know, stuff just a little bit bigger than what I used for cutthroat. But you know, the last few years I've really really up to size and I'm just about using bike size flies anymore. Yeah. So how big might a fly be? How long? Probably six inches, two odd hooks, you know, five, six inch fly. Yep. What's that look like tying those flies? Is it easier to tie one of those or a popper? I, they're, they don't hit surface much. I have seen a few rays, but they're not much really for surface hitting on the surface. I, I have seen a few come to the surface where I'd like to catch one, a big one on a, on top, but I've been, I've been carrying a few mice with me and stuff, but I haven't, I tried a little bit, but I did have one time here a couple of years ago, I had a big, big diver on my rod still from last time I was bass fishing. I had, had one come after it. I missed him, but hmm. uh, so they will occasionally, but generally the, the big ones seem to lay on, you know, the bo- right on the bottom. And I, and I tie my flies with real heavy dumbbell eyes and I just let it trip on the bottom the, the smaller, you know, that 18, 20 inch juvenile kind of like size will chase a fly a lot more than them big ones seem like they just lay there and let it come to them so oh right but yeah heavy dumbbell eyes and drifting through them big pools they usually kind of lay towards the end of the pools it seems like i think they like to be at the lower end so they can see what's going on up above you know and see stuff coming at them but oh right um generally towards the tail end of the pool a lot of time and kind of sight fishing a lot of times you can see them laying there so you kind of know where they're at so yeah so you're fishing and you're not this is like a dry line or using sinking line um, I generally use dry. I, I, I've used thinking, but it's generally not, you know, a little longer later, you can find it usually get down to them. They're usually not that deep. So yeah, I'm a big pool, you know, where I'm fishing might be 10 feet deep or something, you know, so generally you can, your leader is long enough to get down to them. You don't really need a sinking line. So yeah, gotcha. Okay. And so basically dry line. Yep. Yep. I say heavy flies and they, they, the big ones just seem to like to lay there, let it come to them. Usually once in a while you get a big one, little chase. Actually, it's a funny story. One time, uh, one of the bigger ones I caught was on the Joe. Oh, it's been been a long time ago. But I had a little ten inch cutthroat on on a size fourteen St. Joe favorite. And uh, anyway, a bull trout came chasing and grabbed hold of it, which it's happens. It happens yeah. occasionally. Usually, you know, you give it a little pull and the fish comes out of its mouth. But God, I fought it and fought it and fought it. And anyway, somehow I ended up <laughs> that fly come out of that cutthroat's mouth and I snagged it right in the end of the head oh, yeah. and nose with a size fourteen St. Joe favorite. Yeah, I got a Got a 30-inch bull trout on my size 14 St. Joe favorite baited with a cutthroat. <laughs> and you snagged it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I just happened to, the fly somehow was popped out of that cutthroat during that, and I, I got him right in the end of the nose. And, That's cool. Yeah, and I was expecting the St. Joe favorite to be a um, a big kind of bright fly, but it's, it's just, a, it's basically a little dry fly, like a little green body dry fly. Yep, green or gray, yep. The St. Joe special was was the green one, I think, what they, and then the uh, St. Joe favorite's gray usually. Oh, I see. Gotcha. But St. Joe Special has golden pheasant tippets for the tail. And yeah. I use a gray one a lot. Actually, this time of year, that's a good fly right now, too. I'm doing a couple dozen for a guy right now, actually. But. I'm on the river uh, riverbum.com website. They got the St. Joe favorite that came up. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure where those guys are at, but um, cool. This is awesome. So, yeah, bull trout is one of those species definitely that, you know, it's like, gosh, right? They can get big, like you said, 33 inches. 
and you're fishing them with streamers. But like you're saying, this is kind of hit or miss sort of thing. You're going to, it's probably like mostly you're fishing for West Slopes quite a bit. And then if you get a chance, you switch over to the streamers. Yeah, like I said, I, the drill, I occasionally run into one. I usually catch a couple a year, but uh, like I said, I got one stream that, that has a really good population of them where I actually go to target them. But yep. I, won't, I, guess I won't mention which one that is, but uh, um, yeah. Would you be like nymphing or swinging or what would the technique be for those? Yeah, generally I kind of get up towards the head of the hole and then uh, I kind of let it swing. And they, like I said, they kind of lay down the uh, tail end of the hole. I you know, let it swing there when it gets down towards the tail end of the hole and that's generally where I catch them. So, and first, usually I give a few casts, just drifting it through. And if I ain't got nothing, then I'll, then I'll drift a little hard, a little more aggressively, you know, and see if I can get entice anything. So cool. And are you on your flies? Are you tying? I mean, it sounds like the poppers are big. Do you tie like for orders? Do you tie all sorts have over the years? Have you tied everything? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, poppers, divers, frogs, birds, doing a dozen deer hair lizards right now for a guy. Uh huh. Is it all, so you spend your time like deer hair, you're not tying any other stuff, it's mostly the poppers? No, I got some streamers and stuff on my website too. And oh, okay. I do quite a few streamers and stuff, and like I said, I'm doing a, doing a few angel favorites and stuff for a local guy right now too, and I just got, about got them done. So, I still do a little bit of everything. My website is mostly all hair bugs and streamers though. And then I sell deer hair as well and all that, I got the deer hair and all that on there, and uh, hooks and eyes and... Yeah, yeah, I see that. Do other things, so marabou and... And a draw was cool. And you got some Pat Cohen stuff. Have you, it sounds like, so Pat was one of your big uh, influences. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, since he quit tying, he's been actually since been sending a few people my way. Too, so. Did he quit tying? Is he done tying? Well, he's not selling. I think he is tying some, but he's not, he don't sell anything anymore enough. I think he is still is tying, but, but not for sale. He kind of got back in the tattoo, right? Yeah. It looks like he's mostly just doing tattoos. I do miss all his instrument, his, uh, his flight pictures and stuff is uh oh is he not doing instagram either well he is but it's all the tattoos and stuff i miss seeing all this fancy black oh no kidding so it's all tattoos motivational that's the word i'm looking for it's motivational posts on there i always i always always enjoyed looking at him but yeah it's always tattoos and stuff and you marsh and oh that's interesting i haven't yeah i haven't even realized that okay cool so he, yeah, he sent a few people my way and stuff actually since he quit selling but uh oh right so that's the thing right so he quit selling and now so you got to fill the gap yeah, yeah. So, uh huh. So, how'd you get to? Because one of my challenges has always been the dry flies. You know, I've tied all the dry flies, but what's the secret of tying a good uh, St. Joe uh, special or one of those? Uh, they're really pretty simple. Um, the hardest, hardest part is the duck quill wings, you know, and stuff is probably the hardest part of them. Uh, just a slender uh, gray floss body, kind of like a mayfly. And, um, yep, some good dry fly hackle and, so these were just, just like a lot of us with the flight tying, you kind of just taught yourself watching videos or whatever over, you know. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess I took a few lessons there as a teenager. And as far as the deer hair stuff, I, I, I bought a Pat Cohen video, I think. And uh, first I kind of kind of self-taught, and then I bought, bought one of his videos, and that really helped me turn a corner there. So And nowadays there's lots of stuff on YouTube and stuff like that. So Yeah, yeah. So, and the deer hair just, just kind of really seemed to have grown in popularity, I think, a lot because of him. So... So it's a lot, lot easier to find it. sources to help, you know, if you're learning. So that's sweet. Yeah, I, I was just checking out the. Um, it's Ru Superfly, right? That's Pat Cohen's. Yep. And that's where he's definitely got some. Wow, these yeah, these art is amazing. I mean, he he is he's an amazing artist. Oh yeah, yeah. Damn, he's got this one with a uh, a guy, old guy, old guy's head coming out of a bear's mouth. That's amazing. This is crazy. An artist, yeah. And the, this flies were just 
incredible. That'd be a good story. I can't remember on Pat when we had him on. I can't remember what he said about why he originally got away from tattooing. I can't. He probably, I guess, like anything, maybe. Yeah, I don't remember, but yeah, his his flies were. Yeah. So, what are your on your flies? What um, if you had to say the the most common flies that you're tying? Give us like a list of say the top five or something like that. That I'm tying, uh, definitely the the poppers, the divers, and the frogs. I would say. And is that just when you say popper? Is there just one? type of fly you're tying one is there a pattern or do you like somebody come and say hey i want some what if they say i want some bass poppers what do you tie them um i'd say the frog colors are probably the most popular any of the frog colors i got a few different you know frog color patterns of fire tiger stuff like that uh the mo shank popper well snake yeah i got a few of his he, he i talked to him he said i could put some of his stuff on there i've had people want me to tie his stuff so i i got a hold of him and he said yeah you can put them on there and mo shank i'm not familiar with mo shank Mostank, yeah, it was just, it was just one of his designs. Huh? Oh, Mostank, Mostank Popper. That's that was one of his, yeah. That's one of Pat's. Yeah, one of his designs. That's what he called it. So, and I had a few people were wanting them, so I said, "Hey, you here if I put these? Yeah, no problem." So, so yeah, I got a section in there of Pat Cohen patterns on there. If you probably must have seen it. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Are you on Instagram? I'm on Instagram too. Yep, Saint Race Flies on Instagram. Yep. Is that where, where are you getting your new, it sounds like you're getting just referrals from other people now, but where do you typically get new people finding you? I think social media probably is the is biggest one anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook or Instagram. Gotcha. So you got the popper. So give us that list. Like if somebody was going to be wanting to put it together, it sounds like there's just a diverse type of uh, fly as you're tying or what are the most common these days? As far as top water and stuff? Yeah. Or just anything. Like, are you still tying dries? Are you tying anything? Yeah, mostly, like I said, the biggest thing is is the deer hair bugs. Yeah. By far. That's what I, probably three quarters of what I tie and sell. Um, and this time of year, I get a few local orders as far as stuff for the Joe and all that. So, uh, and quite a few streamers, uh, like the dungeons and stuff like that. A little bit popular. Uh, and like the drunken disorderly type things. Selling quite a few of them. But, uh, but yeah, the hair bugs, the poppers, poppers, divers, and frogs. Gotcha. Yeah. And with the put, you know, I got twenty some deer, colors of deer hair. So, the, you know, a lot of people saying, "Oh, can you tie this color? Can you tie that color?" Or they, you know, they don't necessarily have to order off my website. They see something like on Instagram or something. They'll send me a picture and say, "Can I get some like this?" Or you can do so many different combinations with you know twenty colors of deer hair. That yeah, where do you get your deer hair from? I get it from a place in Wisconsin, a wholesale place, uh, North American Trading in in uh, Strum, Wisconsin. And uh, I just kind of lucked into that. Uh, my wife's family's from back there, and we were back there, and my, her, her uh, dad says, We're, there's a place we sell our deer hair hair to down the road here. I'm going to take you there. And, I mean, they had a whole, they, they sell the hairline and all kinds of stuff. So Right. And they sell, these kind of friends with the guy, so they let me, if I'm back there, they'll let me pick through it and all that, too. So that's kind of how I got into selling deer hair, so. Oh, I see. So I, I just kind of lucked into that, so. Oh, so you got to, so the deer hair, so basically, yeah, you select it, and then you sell it. Yep, a lot of times I have to order it. So, uh, but I I try not to sell any that I wouldn't use myself. So some stuff, you know, I try to pick through it. So, how do you get the right deer hair? You just try to look for the coarsest stuff you can. Coarsest and longest, really. It's uh, the more coarse it is, the more hollow it is. You know, almost like elk hair. Yeah, it's kind of spongy. It's so it flares. You know. Oh right. Weird better. Yeah, look, just looks for the looks for the thickest hair you can and the longest. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't matter if it's tying it, like you're using the, probably the Fugly Packer and all that. Is that your style? Yep. Fugly Packer. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. So if somebody wanted some deer hair, they were wanting to get into this, they could reach out to you and you could, uh. Yep. They can order right off my website, com. Yep. It's on there. So, yep. 
Perfect. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I mean, you have a bunch of different, yeah, like you said, you tie a bunch of different, these are amazing, these flies. You've got the, uh, some little crawdads, you got uh, all the bass stuff. Yeah, these are really cool. I bought a laser cutter too, so I started cutting my own frog like and all that too. You'll see I got some stuff on there. All Cohen stuff got discontinued, so. Oh, it did? It did, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So you've taken, I mean, how many people, like, you got Pat out there. How many other like deer hair popper sounds like you're in that loop for sure. Is there, you know, lots of them? Cause I can't think of a ton of other people that are, you know, taking over for Pat and stuff. There's a guy in Texas, Ricky Evans. He sells a lot. I sell a lot of deer hair to him. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's a few guys that, there's a few of them really good tires. They don't, there's not a ton of them that are big into selling. I don't think though. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Ricky sells a lot of them right now. Gotcha. So if you want to get one of these beautiful flies like you have here, it's there's not a ton of places to do that because you're not going to get these flies at the, um, you know, Umqua or some of these other places, right? I mean, you will, but. Right. That's the thing too. Yeah. The, the, the commercially, uh, you know, them places like that aren't, they're not the same. It's hard to. Uh, no. What, what do they do? What do you do? Because I'm looking at one right here. I mean, this one looks crazy. It looks like a little, definitely a little frog, a little camo frog. Let's see what this one is. This is like the Deer hair. Oh no, sorry, not not frog. This is a lizard. I this is obviously yeah, the lizard is amazing. Oh the lizard, yeah, I'm doing a dozen of them right now, actually. Yeah. Bear Vault is one way to assure your next backcountry trip stays memorable, epic, and safe. Bear Vault builds a rugged polycarbonate locking canister that keeps bears and other wild animals away from your food. This in turn keeps your food safe, keeps the bears safe, and keeps you safe. I've got a classic story that I told. I've told a few times about the bear taking my backpack while up in Alaska. I had my lunch and some snacks in there and just went up around the corner to fish for a bit. When I got back, it was uh, totally gone. If I would have had that bear vault right at that moment, I would have been okay because my food would have been completely sealed. The bear would have had no idea and no reason to take my backpack. So a good reminder there. You might not realize it, but this type of thing happens all the time, even to experienced outdoorsmen. The great news for us is now we can experience the great stuff of a remote trip without ever having to worry about animals fiddling with our stuff. Sleep soundly knowing your vault has sealed the deal for you. Believe it or not, food storage is a key consideration while backcountry hiking, fishing, or camping. The Bear Vault also has some great bonus features like the see-through sidewall so you can find your stuff really easy and a large opening plus plus it doubles as a nice camp stool. This thing is is legit. It definitely is one of my this might be my favorite feature is is the camp stool. You know, I love a good a good chair out there. Check in with the crew at Bear Vault at wetflyswing.com/bearvault. That's Bear Vault, B-E-A-R-V-A-U-L-T. Okay, back to the show. Now tell me the lizard. Is the lizard more like, is, I mean, just who are you tying that for, like type of person? Uh, a basket. I, I sold some to for a guy from Muskie here a while back. Oh, wow. He's been trying my yeah. Muskie or grass. But uh, um, they, they should they'll catch bass too. Yeah. All right, it's a lizard. So it's literally, I mean, these fish do not differentiate between a frog and a lizard. I've been meaning to, to tie a smaller version. I haven't done it yet, but the smallmouth actually hit, will hit them big ones pretty hard. It's hard to hook them because they're, they're they're pretty big flies. So yeah, I see it right. That's taking up. I mean, literally, it's taking up your palm of your hand. Yeah, these are about nine, ten inches long. Dang. So with the tail, oh, wow, with the tail and everything. But uh, this is really cool. It's from December twenty um, second, two thousand twenty one. So we'll put a link in the show notes to this. This lizard is really cool. Like I see it now. I mean, it's really clean. Uh huh. And the colors and stuff. 
This is really cool. What are some of the other wild ones? I know Pat talked about the bird flies. What else do you got? Yeah, I've got birds on there. I tell you quite a few of them. Quite a few of them. Those are the only only real weird ones, I guess, that I really have done. Uh, birds and lizards. Yeah, I sell a lot of birds, too. Right. What's a, when you sit down, you know, you, you said 30 minutes on average or something like that. But what's your set? Are you sitting down for eight hour? Lizards are probably an hour at least, but, uh, cause you're basically, it's basically like almost like two poppers in one, you know, cause you got the, you got the hook and then you got the shank up front. So, yeah. And so you're sitting down, are you sitting down when you're tying kind of for a eight hour session or do you just kind of mix it up, tie it here or there? Oh yeah. You know, if it's a work day and I got to go to work too, but, um, uh, yeah, during the wintertime on the weekends, I'll spend all day day down here tying flies usually, so. Right on. What's your fly tent area? Do you have, a like, a giant area, or is this, like, a... Uh... Um, well, I got a room off the back of my garage downstairs here, but it's kind of grown into my garage. Now my garage is kind of... The wife keeps saying we're going to buy a buy some kind of shed or something put out back. You're taking <laughs> up all the room. Downstairs of the house, yeah. <laughs> so, but with it. all the stuff I sell now and all that, you know. Yeah. So... Yeah, my fly tying room ain't real big, and it's it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, wow, this is this is great. Yeah, I, I'm looking at some of these. So, yeah, and like you said, the poppers and the coloration, and then the selling of the deer hair too. Does that take up? I mean, is that a pretty substantial part of you know spending your time going through the deer hair and stuff? Or it sounds like that's a little a little less. Yeah, it's not too bad. The wife, you know, I buy it in bulk, and then we got to package it up and everything. But it is, it's it's really not super time consuming. It's uh, yeah, I I buy it by the pound and. Wife helps with that, so wife helps get, get that packaged up and everything, so that helps. Right on. And were you at the, um, yeah, you were at the Albany show. I wasn't this year, but I have been to it quite a bit. Yeah, I didn't go this year. I had a, I had a, I was pretty booked up with orders. I'm going to try and go next year, though, so. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think I saw you. I have been to it several times, yeah. Have you been there? Yeah, yeah, I didn't see, I was there this year. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't see you there, but, um. Oh, you were there this year? Oh, huh, yep. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so you pretty much have, you're kind of like a, I mean, I wouldn't call it a, like an online fly shop, but that's kind of what it is, a little bit. Pretty much, yeah, sort of, yep. Yeah, because yeah, you're selling flies and you're selling uh, materials and all that stuff. Or do you have thoughts of, you know, keeping, making this bigger and bigger as you go? Oh, yeah, we're just, we're growing a little bit all the time. So I had a few things here and there all the time, so. Oh, cool. So this might be the, uh, might be the St. Mary's Fly Shop eventually. Or maybe it kind of is. I guess St. Mary's Flies, it sounds like St. Mary's Fly Shop, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe someday, yeah. There you go. And if we were coming in, that would be one thing. Like if we were coming through there this summer, say July, August, could we call you up and stop by and grab some flies? Or how's that? Or is it all online? Yep. Yeah, give me a heads up and I can have some stuff tied up for you because it's hard for me to get ahead on inventory anymore. But if someone gives me a heads up when they're coming and people do that. That's what I think more in general, Derek, is like, you know, people listening, if somebody... Right. I always tell myself I'm going to build up some inventory, but I always get too busy. No, I know. I know. <laughs> Make up, but yeah, if people, people give me a heads up. People do that sometimes too. They'll when we come and, it's, and you put me together a dozen or whatever things so we are working them right about then. And, and that's, so I'll do that. So, yep. If you come this way, give me a holler. Yep. Right, right. Well, that's the next step. You've got to get somebody to start being able to scale and tie your flies. Is that a thought or? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get the wife to learn. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Good. Okay. Well, I was just wanted to get a, you know, I think a little bit of like we talked about the St. Joe was, you know, that's the river, right? That's this, which is cool because I've, I've heard a lot about that river over the years, been around it, driven by that area many times, but never fished it. And it's, uh, sounds like it, I mean, 140 miles, whatever it is, that's a big river. And then the West Slope Cuddies. What is the range of the Cuddies? How far have you fished more like east or west of you, or have you stuck kind of in that area for the West Slope? 
I fished the Clark Fork a little bit and stuff. St. Mary's River flows in here, and it does have a it has a few cutthroat. It it doesn't stay as cold as the Joe. It's not as big, and it doesn't have the tributaries and stuff. So early in the year, people catch some cutthroat. It does, St. Mary's does have some good smallmouth in it, though. Um, then we got the Lane, the North Fork of the Lane, not very far away. Oh, and that's, and that's really popular too. Oh, it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. North Fork of the Lane. and I don't fish it as much. I have a little bit, but I got the Joe right here, so that's usually where I go. But I don't know. I have been all there fishing. and there's some there's some good fish in there too, though. So. Wow. Yeah, I'm just looking. You got some beautiful man. That's the thing. These fish, you get a uh, you get a 15 inch west slope. That's a that's an amazing fish. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah. There you go. I'm just looking at some of your. Yeah, those are monsters. And there's no, there are no rainbows in the St. Joe. Oh, uh, there's a few. They used to plant them every year at one time, and they quit planting them like probably ten years ago. They they decided they didn't want them, you know, crossbreeding with the cutthroats and all that. They trying to keep the west slope cutthroat strain pure as they could, you know, and all that. But uh. And really, you don't hardly ever catch any. Once in a while, you catch one, but uh, not too often anymore. What about the North Idaho Fly Fishing Expo? Was that an annual thing? Yeah, they used to be. They haven't had it since uh, before COVID. Oh, Roy hasn't come back. Yeah, and uh, I actually asked Will Godfrey a while back. He's part of the big club. I don't know if you, do, if you know Will, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked to him, yep. Anyway, I talked to him just here. Not to, he calls me every once in a while, but... Uh, and he said that they lost a lot of members, I guess, to COVID or something, said, so... That might be a while, so yeah, gotcha. Because that was a good show. Yeah. That was that was a good show. Okay, well, hopefully they can get that back. Hopefully, yeah. Perfect. All right. Oh, yeah. Now I'm down into some of the bull trout. There you go. So that's some. I'm just kind of skirting through this. Yeah, that's cool. The cool thing about bull trout is, yeah, they're definitely unique. I guess depending on when you get them, they're kind of a long, lengthy fish. They are. Yeah, they're they're fun. Yeah, they're most like a swift water pike or something. They uh. The right time of year, you hit them and they're aggressive. It's it's a blast. Yeah, that's it. Wow, these are beautiful. Yeah, you got some really nice big fish on here. It's essentially just like a. I mean, that's some of these are like steelhead size, essentially. Well, yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, anything. I mean, we didn't dig into. Uh, you know, I didn't want to go too deep into the poppers. Well, uh, that uh, episode I had with Pat Cohen. We'll put that in the show notes. We've done a few of these poppers episodes. I think that um, there are a lot of people tying them. That's for sure. But there's not a lot of people, like we said, selling them. I said, yeah, it's gotten more popular, which are which has worked out good for selling the deer here. So, right. So I know like a lot, a lot of it's because of him, I think is why it's so popular anymore. But. Right. So again, going back to that coming into town, so we're coming in St. Mary's to head up the, the Joe is, is the, just throwing the camp. I mean, this is as easy as it gets. I mean, is there any planning here where you're like, Oh, I better save this campsite or is it pretty much, you can kind of camp wherever out there. I think it's just kind of first come first serve. I think Huckleberry, you gotta have reservations, Huckleberry campground, but uh, I think the rest are just first come first serve. There's a lot as you get up further up above Avery and stuff. There's a lot of camping spots that aren't really even marked, you know, Forest Service campgrounds, but there's a camping spot now. So, yep. Is the peak time? Is it kind of July or what's the where you see the most people? Most people, yeah, I would say you get into July out. Yeah, it's probably the most July and August summer the summer month. Yeah, but you could still go up there in the summer and kind of find a cool spot and find a place to camp and fish. Oh yeah, yep. There'll be some spots. There's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of campgrounds just between Avery and Red Ives. So, gotcha. Okay, perfect. Well, let's take it out of here. We've been doing the back to this uh, kind of more rapid fire round. I got a few questions. We'll take it out of here if that sounds good to you. Okay. So I guess let's talk flight time. We've been talking a little bit on flight time. What's your what's the vice you use uh, currently? I'm using a Regal right now. Just the uh, cheaper $150 one or whatever I've had forever. Uh, 
just the regular yeah and it's pretty hard to beat that vice isn't it i mean like you can't yeah it is yeah because you don't do a lot of spinning right with deer hair you're not really spinning stuff necessarily nope you're just stacking it so basically one color on top of another so yep so you just need a big nice heavy duty vice like that regal the thing that's nice about the regal is there's no settings right it's literally just good to go right yeah just yep pull the clamp and yep yeah right, perfect so this is the vice and then what's your vice uh the other type of vice where it's something maybe you might have to give up because you're you know i mean we all partake in things maybe too much do you have anything like uh on that end like beer alcohol that sort of thing oh no not really no not too much well here and there once in a while there you go <laughs> so you don't have any bad habits you have no bad habits I drink a little bit, but not a lot. No, no, it's about it. Yeah, no smoking. No smoking. No, no, not into that. Oh, there you go. Okay, so you're you're as you're as healthy as could be. This is perfect. All right, good. So so no vices. Well, I don't know about that. But <laughs> no. <laughs> what is uh, so? I always love get go back to Instagram, you know, or whatever. But so for music, are you more music, or do you listen to any podcasts, or what, what's that look like? No, I got the TV on usually or something here if I'm tying. So gotcha. So no music when you're traveling or anything like that? Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll country station on or something usually. Or, yeah. What, what's a good, give us a, uh, like a song, band, anything, old school, new school? Not really. I don't really have a favorite. Uh, Are you more like old country, new country? Uh, both, I guess. Yeah. So like if, if a little Johnny Cash came on, that would be, that'd be okay. Yeah. I'm not, really, I'm not a huge music guy really. So like, you know, like. Okay. Well, we'll come up with something that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a radio blog, but I'm not like a... Yeah. We had Luke Bryan here a few couple oh, years ago fishing the river. He was at the gas station just here a couple blocks from my house getting flies. Yeah, Luke Bryan. My brother and my sister-in-law. My sister-in-law is a big Luke Bryan fan. When, when he was in town, someone put, it up, put a picture on Facebook, and they drove up there. They seen him fishing. Oh, Roy. Was he fly fishing? And he actually has a few of my flies. My sister-in-law gave him some at a concert a few years ago. There you go. And uh, if you go on YouTube, there's uh, uh, the song Do I... Uh, in Spokane. Anyway, there's a, you can see him. She had a board with my flies on it. You can see him on, and the he points in the crowd and he takes the flies off the board and signs before and he's holding the flies up, looking at him while he's singing. It's kind of cool. But there you go, there you go. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, he was he was here at the gas station a couple of years ago. My, anyway, my brother and sister in law drove up there and they seen him fishing there. They pulled up there by where he was parked and they had like security guys over <laughs> up there looking. We're all doing you. That's know? hilarious. <laughs> right. They didn't get out or anything. There was, That's yeah. funny. He told the lady at the gas station he actually comes up here quite a bit, I guess. So. Gotcha. There you go, Luke Bryan. Yeah, this is perfect. So we'll add that to the show notes. We'll get a little uh, Luke Bryan, take a look at that, and uh, this is good. But yeah, do I smoke can. It's on YouTube. You'll see him singing, and he, you see him pointing at my sister and Molly. He takes some flies off the board she had. And she had a board, said something about trading flies for autograph, and she put a few bass bugs on there. And, but yeah, he pointed her out. He went around and she gave it to him and he, he, he autographed it and took the flies and, and my business card, but I haven't heard from him. So. You haven't heard from him yet. There you go. Awesome. All right. We'll take a look at that for sure. Um, awesome. What's your, so trips wise, what would be one, you know, or do you have any like big trips you're thinking like, you know, maybe traveling to or any places you haven't been to you want to hit out to? Uh, not really on the mind at the moment. There are lots of places I like to do. I just actually just went to Florida a couple oh, months ago. First time there and I uh, caught some redfish and oh, wow. stuff. So that was really cool. Cool. Got a Jack Craval and some redfish, and so that was really that was fun. Something different. Were you out? Where was that? At what part of Florida? Uh, in Tampa Bay. Right on. Was that a pretty big change from Idaho? It was. Yeah, yeah, I liked it though. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I could, I could definitely spend the winters down there. I think. Right. That's what you hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They go back next. Exactly. You said Wisconsin uh, earlier, and we were talking to somebody who, or oh, I didn't know who it was. It was um, 
It was up in the northern part of Wisconsin, um, uh, Jerry Meyer. She got the driftless angler, right? And she was saying, I was like, oh, I was yeah. Like, wow, how do you, how does it, uh, what do you do in the winters? You know, because she was talking about how she loved the warm. She's like, well, we, we travel, you know, so, so it seems like that's one way to do it. Yeah, the red, red fish and all that was fun. I'm going to go do that again next year. So but, uh, I think I'm, Steve Potter lives there not too far from where I was at. I know he was on here a couple of weeks ago. He actually called me the other day and said that he actually called the other, a couple of weeks ago. And he said, yeah, I was on this show and I couldn't, for some reason, they asked about deer and I couldn't thank you your business name. Oh, there you go. I said, what? I said, well, which one was it? He goes, oh, it was, it was a wet fly swing with Dave. I said, oh, I'm going on that in a couple of weeks anyway. So he goes, oh, you That's are. awesome. But anyway, yeah, so he, he told me next time I'm down there to come fish with him, so I might I might try to do that. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, where's Steve? I'm trying to think now. Where's he at? Is he down south? Yeah, he's at Vero Beach, Vero Beach, Florida. So, yeah, not too far from where I was at. Yeah, so. Yeah, but he was up in, uh, he was up near you, right? Or somewhere out there. Yeah, California. Oh, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, California. I, yeah. I met first met him at the Albany show there that we talked about earlier. That's where I got to know him. So, but yeah, I sell a lot of deer here to him too. So, oh yeah, that's right. I always forget about the Albany show. It's kind of cool because Albany is kind of somewhat in the middle. Yeah, it's kind of in California, right? And then Idaho. It's, it is kind of in the uh, central zone a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yep. 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 Gotcha. Yeah, Steve Potter. That's great. So and. um Good. Well, anything else, at least on the, the tying, I know we didn't dig deep into this. Where do you send somebody if they, and I know I like to ask this just to think like if somebody wants to get their up, you know, I guess they could watch you. Do you do you videos or is it all just kind of photos? I did one for Muskie Town. It's on there, Muskie Town. They did some deer hair tying videos. Ricky Evans did one, Pat Cohen did one, and I did one. So there is one on there. I, I keep telling myself I'm going to do more. I just haven't done it yet, but I know uh, Ricky Evans, I think, has some on there. If you want to watch YouTube, uh, Sean West, I think, has some. He's really good. Okay, Sean West, yeah. Yep, so I sell deer hair to both them guys, too. Better. Okay, and, and I want to highlight, uh, it was episode 416, Dave Blackburn was on, and I think um, we got a little music out of you. We did get some music. This is what's great, is that we'll, we're going to look up Luke, Brian. Oh, oh, yeah. But as far as the, uh, we'll put a little snippet in there, but uh, Dave Blackburn actually is a uh, banjo player, and he played a little lick. He played a little lick on the guitar, so I'll put... Uh, I'll put some of his music in as we head out of here so you can have a little a little bit of his. Uh, it's good. I'm not sure. Do you listen? Do you like the banjo at all? Sure, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, right on. And uh, and good. So we got a couple of resources there. What's like for you now? We're kind of May, June, July. As you look out over the rest of this year, we're 2023. What, what do you have coming? Any, any big, uh, anything you want to shed light on? Anything new coming with the flies or anything like that or the business or fishing trips? Um, Not really. I'm just, just keep uh, adding a few more materials. I'm going to go to Yellowstone in August. I haven't been oh, there. Oh, you are? try fishing there. Yep. Me and the wife are going to go there for a few days. All right. Do a little fishing there. And uh, other than that, just uh, mostly fishing around here for, for now. So There you go. So like we said, if uh, St. Mary's Flies, St. all spelled out, right? stmarysflies.com if they want to get some deer hair or flies. Yep. Yep. But it's a couple months out. You, like right now, if somebody called you, they would be like, say they wanted to order up BOAs. Yeah, it wouldn't probably quite be that long, but uh, it just depends on the size of the order. If it's just a, you know, if it's just a few, I try to, I try to mix them in. So yeah, uh, hooks wise, are you what's your go to hook? Uh, for my hair bugs, I use a lot of the Kona extra strong stinger hooks. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. If they want something different, I can. Uh, Eric's uh, TP six tens. I use a lot of them. Uh, most of mine have been doing on on the Konas. I think that they're a really good hook. I I, guess I can buy them in bulk, two hundred fifty packs. So that's good enough. So all right, good. All right, Derek. Well, we'll send everybody, like we said, stmarysflies.com if they have questions. And then um, 
Yeah, sounds like you're maybe working on an updated website. Is that the case? Uh, no, we're just, just adding some stuff. Uh, so you're just add, you're always just adding new whatever products flies. Yeah, we're always adding new products and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Awesome. Well, well, we will definitely do our best to send people out your way if they. It sounds like Pat. I mean, with Pat kind of out of the loop for the little bit, you're filling that gap. I remember him talking about that too, right? Because yeah. where else do you buy really selected, highly selected deer hair for this? It's not easy to find out there. Right. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Especially buying online when you can't look at it, you know? Yep, definitely. All right, Derek. Well, thanks for the time today. I appreciate everything. And we will uh, send everybody out your way on Instagram or at stmarysflies.com. I appreciate it. There we are. Wetflyswing.com slash 479. Right now, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash 479 to get a follow-up on this episode with some links, videos, and more of our multimedia madness that we have going. Check it out right now. A quick reminder before we get out of here, this is the final day to enter to win the giant Steelhead Alley School. We do this once a year, and uh, last year was a huge hit. We had an amazing trip, and uh, we've talked about it. So if you want to get a chance right now, wetflyswing.com slash giveaway right now. That will be your chance to enter to win. Really quick, we're going to be announcing this, announcing this live on Facebook tomorrow. So you can enter now and come on live. And actually, I'm going to let you know, we give away some bonus products always on the live event on top of everything else. So join right now and check it out. That's wetflyswing.com slash live if you want to save a spot for that live event. A quick uh, listener shout out before we get out of here, Pat Nealon. Pat Nealon sent an amazing email. And, and here's Pat. Here's what Patrick Nealon says. Pat said, hey, mate. We sadly don't have great rivers for swinging flies in Australia compared to Canada. They are a bit small. Only certain areas are worth your time. I've been swinging flies in Australia for lake run. Brown trout, though, can be hot certain times of the year. Fish can be bitey after a hit of rain and color. I have all the Pierway metal detector range and use the 400 grain here. I did use, um, I did used to live in BC, fish a lot with Brian and the old Skeena Spay Posse and all the Squamish crew. You have to visit Aussie one day, uh, maybe for the flats. It's world-class. So cool. And then uh, Pat says, Dave, what you do for us, uh, fishing sick people, is so incredible. You take so much of your time out of your love, the sport, and love of leading and teaching and learning. Cheers, man. That is amazing. Patrick, I think that is maybe the greatest uh, email this year so far. Uh, We've had a lot of good ones, but that was awesome. And you added some photos, so bonus uh photos and wow you got a nice brown hookup and then you got your rod as a beautiful setup as well so if you want to get a shout out like uh, patrick did here you can reach out to me dave at wet fly swing anytime or on social and just let me know uh you're listening and i will give you a shout out on this podcast and you can give me any other information uh, you want to highlight and i will do that for you uh, really easy would love to hear from you if we haven't done that yet All right, let's see where we are heading next. Where are we heading next? Uh, I think we kind of know what we're heading into, but let's just take a look. Uh, Highlight River Horse uh, coming up. We've got a live poetry read this week on Wednesday. River Horse is going to be coming in. We might even have a segment of River Horse uh, digging into some of his goodness. So we got that coming. And then we're swinging right around for the Great Lakes Dude podcast. This is Jeff's podcast, and he's got his first guest on the show uh, this week, and uh, he's going to be talking with Dave Hurley. They're going to be talking everything Great Lakes, just bigger Great Lakes in general. This is an awesome one. So I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to dig into next week. we got a full week right now just with these three episodes and actually coming off of Steelhead Week, plus our live giveaway tomorrow night. Um, it pretty much doesn't get any bigger than this right now. 
if you want to get involved, uh, check in with me anytime and I am going to let you get out of here and I'm gonna let you get on to your next, uh, your next episode maybe, or your next, uh, thing you have going today. But I hope to connect with you on the water. If you get a chance, one of these trips would be amazing. I would love to get on the water with you and do some fishing. That would be the best. If we can't do that, uh, check in with me or uh, you can pick up one of these courses we have coming this year. And I hope you are having a great morning, a great afternoon, or a great evening, wherever in the world you are right now at this very moment. And I appreciate you for spending time and listening all the way till the very end of this podcast. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.